Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows more isn't always better, unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space, a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, waterbed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit. With subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio. We're really glad that you joined us tonight on Fire Talk Radio, whatever part of the world that you're listening to, if it's in Africa or the Philippines or different parts of the United States, whatever time zone you're listening to. Just letting you know that something came up with Adam and he's not able to co-host tonight, but I have um, a wonderful man of God that's been our guest several times. He's just like part of the show and part of the family here, Dr. Frank Summerall. He's going to be starting a series called Children, I mean, I'm sorry, Healing is the Children's Bread. So he's going to be doing a three-part series on Healing is the Children's Bread. So we're really looking forward to that. And um, without any further ado, I'm going to give you to Dr. Frank Summerall. Dr. Frank Summerall, um, take your liberty in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Well, thank you, Deborah. Appreciate that so much. We're here sharing the Word of God. First, I want you to turn to the book of Mark. We'll begin reading in chapter 7, verse 25. I call this healing is the children's bread. Because that's what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with that. We'll be dealing with probably several times, maybe even more, having to do with respect to healing belongs to the children of God. And so this is where we get this information from. In verse 25 of the 7th chapter of Mark, a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of his daughter. And Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled. For it's not proper to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. What I want to say about that, anybody outside of the Jewish faith and Jewish nation were called dogs. So it wasn't that term that, you know, like if somebody called you a dog today, you would be highly offended. But this would just notice the fact that since you're not Jewish, you must be Gentile, and all Gentiles were termed as dogs. That's why I said that. But on that point, what he was doing was testing her faith. And she responded, verse 28, And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go your way. The devil has gone out of your daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter, she was laying upon the bed. She was well. Totally well. What are we dealing with? We're dealing specifically with healing. So here's a question. Is healing in the atonement? Is healing provided for us? We're going to deal with all these different subjects having to do with this, the fact and the point of healing. 
how important it is. So what I want to direct your attention to is, in my life, we have had major miracles, and so I will deal with those in specifics as, like a court case, giving evidences of healing in our family. First one I want to deal with is our Grandpa Chandler. That was my grandmother's father. Grandpa Chandler was a sinner for such a long, 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 long time. Then he had a stroke. Well, back in those days, living down south, they didn't have air conditioning, so everybody opened up their windows. and They didn't care if flies or mosquitoes got in. They just wanted to get cool. And so they brought in the ladies' home prayer meeting. After Grandpa Chandler had this stroke, he was paralyzed. And so his paralysis was going to stay for a while, at least they thought. So they called the ladies' home prayer meeting. They met around the bed and prayed for him. Not too far from them, all the houses were close together. A man who turned himself an atheist, that's what he said he was, he said, I bet after prayer, this old man's going to be able to jump that tin fence right there by tomorrow. He was mocking it, but my aunt was catching all of the barrage coming off of him. And she just said, no, we're praying for him. He's going to be all right tomorrow. And so the next day, Grandpa Chandler had a beautiful rest that night. And the morning, he forgot he was paralyzed. He got up out of bed, totally healed by God's power went over and looked at the garden, and there happened to be a 10-rail fence over by that, and he jumped that 10-rail fence, <laughs> just like that atheist predicted. And uh, the atheist looked at him. He said, I knew that man had a stroke. What happened to him? And so my little girl at that time says, well, Jesus touched him like we prayed. He said, Little girly, go get your mama. I want to get saved. And that was a major miracle in that area at that time. That was Grandpa Chandler, how he was healed from a stroke, totally paralyzed, and God touched him overnight. Then there was Grandma Sumrall. That's my grandma. And uh, when she was on her 30s, she had cancer in her breast. The doctor wanted to remove her breast because of the cancer situation. And so her husband wasn't born again, didn't know much about God at all. He knew that God was there in the sky. He knew that, you know, it's good to be a good man and everything else, but he didn't go any farther than that for the longest time. And so she would complain and cry out in pain because her breast was so, so you know, hurtful by this cancer. And so... She went to bed one night and had a beautiful dream that Jesus came personally, came to the bedside and touched her and said to her, called her name by, said, Betty, you are healed right now. And she forgot about it. So she wasn't asking for prayer after that, and which made her husband, inquisitive, said, well, why aren't you talking about the pain in your body? He said, well, I don't have it anymore. I don't have that pain anymore. So she had gauze in that area, and when she went and took the gauze off, 
they found a wicked-looking thing in the form like an octopus. It was black, and it came off in the gods. In the way, new skin was there. So my grandmother was healed of cancer and lived another 60-some years after that episode. Isn't our God a good God? <laughs> Isn't our God a good God? Now, that's Grandpa Chandler. He got healed of a stroke. Grandma Sumrall got healed of cancer. And my dad, Lester Sumrall, got healed when he was 17. He was dying of tuberculosis. He had this ravaging disease in both lungs. And the doctor came in one night and said to him, said to the mother, said to Betty, said, uh, your son's only got two hours to live tonight. I will set the papers in front of you here. These are burial papers. You sign them. We'll find a plot for him tomorrow. That's the way he was believing the doctor was. So in the process, that night, Dad saw a vision. On one side, he saw the casket. On the other side of the room, he saw a Bible. God said to him, tonight, you're going to make your choice, either the casket or the Bible. He thought about it for quite some time. I don't like to think about it. He said, as long as you give me breath, I will preach that word. Then he went to sleep. He woke up in the morning. He felt strong. Now, he'd been in bed a good six months' time before this. Very weak. He barely 100 pounds. Barely 100 pounds. And so uh, what they were giving him all the time was grape juice. He got to the point where he hated grape juice. That's all they gave him. And then he asked the question to his mom. He said, hey, what did my dad have for breakfast? Oh, he had a big breakfast. Well, he worked in the steel mill and, you know, working like, you know, like that. He was a pipe fitter for ship lines. And so he would have a tremendous-sized breakfast. So he said, grits and gravy. Now, that's southern, of course. Grits and gravy, eggs over easy, ham, and she and pancakes. Boy, she really fixed him up a meal. And so, so I said, I want my father had for breakfast. He started crying. Said, "You can't eat that. You're going to die." He said, "I'm not dead now." And so, so she brought it in, thinking it was his last meal. And after he had finished that large plate of food, which he hadn't had any to eat in over six months. He started crying. She said, tell me, tell me, Lester, what happened? And then he told her the dream that he had, the vision that he had about the casket in the Bible. And he says, I knew, I knew God was doing something for you. I knew it. So he was healed of tuberculosis when he was 17. Healing has been in our family for generations. And we'll continue until we see Jesus face to face. As for myself, believe it or not, I used to have an impediment of speech. I couldn't even say my name. From the time I was one to the time I was ten, I was a stutterer. I couldn't even say my, articulate anything at all. I couldn't even say my name in fullness. 
It would take me such a long time. Gotten a lot of fights over it. Uh, that's beside the point. So, <clears throat> what happened is Brother Roberts, Brother Roberts came to our area, our area. And uh, at that time, oh, let's see, this would be back in the early 50s. There's hardly any auditorium that size, so we went to Elkhart. Elkhart uh, Gymnasium had the largest capacity of anything in the area, and that's where the meetings were held. So we had healing meetings every night. Dad was the chairman of the meeting. And so uh, they gave me a card, and I looked at it. I said, well, you got the wrong color here. They had red cards, white cards, green cards, purple cards, black cards, every card. And then they had a pink card. Guess what? I got the pink card. Now, wait a minute. You don't give a boy a pink card. Well, anyway, I had that kind of tragic situation with a pink card. But knowing that you can't get in front of the man of God without your card. So I wrote down some information. Then it was my time in line. So he had a ramp. He'd sit down on a chair have this mic right between his legs, and then the people pass before him. That's generally how it was done. And uh, like I said, I was 10 years old. And so as I passed before him, he asked the question. He said, what's your problem, son? And I just shook my head because I didn't want to be made a fool. I'd stuttered all my life, and I sure wanted to act like a fool in front of all these you know, I don't know how many people were there. There's a bunch of people that filled the whole place. Elkhart had a gymnasium, which was, you know, the largest thing in the area. So anyway, he looked at for, oh, I see your problem. He said, you stutter. And I nodded my head. He said, okay, here's what we're going to do. He said a prayer. The power of God came. And he said, loose this young man's tongue. <laughs> and within minutes of time, I felt something click in the back of my, my throat. And so he says, you do what I do. Now, that's kind of dangerous. Anyway, so he started off. He started counting to ten real quickly. He said, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He said, you follow. I shook my head. I said, I'm not going to be anybody's fool for that. He put his great, now, now Brother Robinson's a big man. He put his great big hands on my shoulder. Because you remember the mic's right in front of him here. He put his hands on my shoulder and started pushing me. About the second time, I still was shaking my head. About the third time, I thought he was going to push me through the floor. I said, well, here, you do or die. So I closed my eyes, gritted my teeth, didn't look at anybody out there, and I began to say what he said. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Whew. I knew at that moment in time I was totally healed. Now, that's the only problem. They haven't been able to stop me yet. There's no off button on me. <laughs> Amazingly enough, in school, that's the problem. I would talk too much. I said, I'm making up for lost time. Anyway, uh, with that being said, we're talking about healing as the children's bread. So from Grandpa Chandler to Grandma Sumrall to Dad to myself, we have a wonderful history of healing in our family. You notice that when we dealt with the redemptive names of Jehovah, one of those names was Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee, Exodus fifteen twenty six. 
Now, as I said before, we're going to deal with it. We're going to only stay with this for about an hour, but we're going to deal specifically in this particular range of teaching for several, maybe more than that, times having to do with the fact of healing. As we said before, here's the question. Is healing for the body today? Is it yes or is it no or is it maybe? Well, I believe the word. Now, we go back to the Old Testament just for a minute. In the Old Testament, believers, they could only receive healing by obedience. Notice back in Exodus fifteen twenty six, it said, if, it's a condition. If they do this, then they receive the other. Then we can look at several things about the, the situation regarding that. The blessing chapter, Deuteronomy 28, you say, if you do this, you receive this. The first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28 are the blessings. But from 15 to 68 are the curses. Now, we're going to look at something quite interesting right here. We're going to turn our attention all the way to a specific situation happened. There in the Old Testament, this had to do with another Gentile. And if you'd read with me in the book of Kings, I'll find it here for a moment. Located here just in just a second. Uh, we've got a fan going, and it has blown the pages that I have really wanted to look at right away. So this is in, it's so powerful here. Second Kings chapter 5, this is the story of Naaman. Now, Naaman, if you read that, Naaman was the captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance to Syria. And he was a mighty man in valor. Now these last five words spell his predicament. It says this, the last five words, but he was a leper. Imagine that. Leprosy had the death signal on it in the Old Testament. There were no uh, leposariums around that would contain people. They were abandoned, and if they would get within 20 paces, in legal terms, they could pick up stones and throw at them to move them from their presence. They would have to put their hand out and cry, unclean, unclean, unclean. Now, this was a mighty man. He came from Syria. And the Syrians had gone out by company, had brought away the captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. This is how he found out the information about the man of God. And she said to her mistress, Would God that my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. What a word. The maid said that. And uh, they went and told the Lord, and thus is us, and thus is the maid is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go, 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 I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Now, what business has the king of Israel got to do anything with the healing? Nothing at all, but he thought protocol might be the way to advance this certain general or a captain. He, he's a captain of the host of the king of Syria. And so he comes and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold. Hey, this is 
this is some kind of change back then. I mean, this is money. If you do all the calculations there, you find exactly how much it was. Oh, my. Man, this is a lot, a lot of money. According to what shekels were at gold at that time, and it, it would be at an enormous amount. Now, we're talking in the vicinity. Ten talents alone would rival the fact of $19,000. And the shekels of gold would be an approximation of over $58,000. <laughs> he, he, he was not going to get shortchanged, that's for sure. And so he went with that kind of cash on him, bringing thought he could pay for his healing. He brought in not only that, but ten chains of the raiment. And he brought a letter from the king that he sent with Naaman, that you may recover him of his leprosy. He came to pass, he went with the king. He got to that position, went to that area. And finally, the king of Israel, he rent his clothes. He said, am I God to kill and make a liar? This man just sent me to recover a man of his leprosy. Consider it, I pray you, that seeks a quarrel against me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, had heard the king of Israel had rent his clothes. He sent to the king saying, why do you rent your clothes? Let him come to me. So Naaman came with his horses and the chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Apparently the king gave him directions. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times and your flesh shall come again and you shall be clean. But... <laughs> I guess this captain of Syria was so angry that he thought that this was such a slam against him. And he thought that he would have come out and done some special movements of his hand or some kind of way to relieve him of leprosy. And he sent his best. He sent Gehazi out there. And he was sent ahead of him and just told him flat out, Put yourself down in Jordan River. Seven times you're going to come out clean. That made him mad. You find in verse 11. Naaman was wroth. He was really angry. He went away and behold, he thought it was surety that he would come out and stand and call on the name of God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Now that he, he thought great drama would be involved here. Then he says, are not my rivers back there in Syria better? Abana and Sfarfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than Israel? Are not the waters of Israel? So why don't Washington them get clean? And the servant said, if he asks you to do a hard thing, will you do it? He said, wash and be clean. Verse 17 or 14. He went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. My, 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 my. So in the Old Testament, what we're showing you in the basics is that this was done by obedience. Obedience to the word by the prophet. Obedience in every direction. So... Now, I've got an interesting word to bring to you, that today, our relationship to our God, turn to Psalm 
107 and verse 20. This is why this word is so important. Because as you will see, you can send the word, and the word will heal and set free and cause the blessings of God to come on you and set you free. This is Psalm 107 and verse 20. This is what he said here. This is so good. 107, talking about the, what God wants to do today, talking about the very heart of David as he's ministering to God in prayer, blessing his name. And verse 20 says this, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. My, 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 my. So if we will send the word, we can send it by anything. I've said before that you can send it by Internet. You can send it by cell phone. You can send it by satellite. You can send it in any type of media. The word of God will heal the sick and set them free. Oh, my, 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 my. Now we're going to kind of get in this a little bit because we've given an introductory statement having to do with the fact that we're leaving and moving to because there's so much in the Bible about healing. And so what I want to talk about is the healing that comes because of covenants. Covenant is one of the major parts. We are under the covenant of the blood of Jesus. Now, if you're not saved, I suggest tonight that you get born again, that you say, Jesus, come in my heart and life, forgive me of every sin, cleanse me with your precious blood, and have God, or have you ever known the fact that God's got a good plan for you? There's a plan of salvation for you, a plan of joy, a plan of peace, a plan of righteousness. But God wants to touch your heart tonight. Touch you in every which way, body, soul, and spirit. And so, as we speak these words tonight, I'm expecting the miraculous to take place. I'm expecting to feel the power of God in your body, that you will feel it, that you'll be touched, you'll be healed, you'll be set free in the name of Jesus. As we speak that name, at that name, the wonderful, holy, precious name of Jesus, the Son of the living God. Now, when I'm talking about covenant, covenant is what's made between. Uh, notice here, let, let's look back here, a covenant that was made with David. This is Psalm 89. In Psalm 89, it specifically says that the covenant was made between God and David. And uh, the relationship, the power of it. Then in verse 3 of chapter, well, actually Psalm 89 says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. My, 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 my. So as we discover the covenants of God, God responds to the covenants that is made to and through us. That's still in that 89th Psalm. Now, look over there and what is said about that covenant. Because when God makes a covenant, he has it there. Spoken of how that the covenant is made with us and through us. Look at verse 34. My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Well, that's good news for you right there. That means that when God has made a promise, write it down. Put it all over your house. 
my mama, what she used to do, she used to take uh, beautiful artistic things, and and uh, she, she was a little bit of artist, but she'd go and tell the artist what she wanted, and which would be an encasing of great beauty, and it'd have a scripture right across it. She put those all over our house. She put them in the bathroom. She put them, you know, even in the hallway. She put it in, in the bedroom. She put it everywhere. I mean, there wasn't hardly a place in our house that did not have the word of God. <laughs> she just liked it. I said, you know, I was teasing her one time. I said, Mom, I said, if you get away with it, you just like to take a bunch of Bibles and just, just you know, just, just take them out like that. And why don't you use them for wallpaper? You might as well do that. So she told my father, I said, well, Frank said this in jest. But you better talk to him, said, and he better not say that again. So anyway, I was careful after that point in time. But what we're dealing with is covenant. Covenant made. So when we talk about the Syrophoenician woman, she was not a woman of covenant. You had to be Jewish in order to have that covenant placed over you. But we have a covenant with our God. That's the precious blood of Jesus. That when Jesus was shed, or his blood was shed upon the cross, when that happened, established the covenant of the blood. We're under the blood. And then what, even all the way back to Exodus chapter 12, the Passover. It said, when I see the blood, I will what? Pass over you. I've seen it with the area of destruction. I've seen it with sickness. I've seen it with all kinds of things happening that the, the blood keeps us from having disastrous things happen to us. Protects us, guides us, leads us, causes his favor to come upon us the covenant that God has for his children. So it's all the way through there. Now, we've just touched a few things, but isn't it amazing that God specifically, in speaking here, you remember the Roman centurion, as he comes, as he positions himself before Jesus, he's asking something in very particular. And, and what he's dealing with, he's a centurion. That means he's over 100 soldiers. And basically what he is saying here, he said, I say to this one, go, and he goes, this one, come, and he comes. And said, they have to obey me. But he says, my authority comes because I'm under Rome. He said, I realize that your authority comes from your Father in heaven. And so as he made that relationship, talked about that, this centurion had so great faith that Jesus even said to him, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. You find this in Luke chapter 7 and verse 2. Let's look over there for a moment. In Luke 7 and in verse 2. So when Jesus made those particular statements in regard to that, it's so powerful and so wonderful and so glorious, that had that. All right. This is talking about the healing of the centurion. His uh, servant was sick. Uh, a certain centurion, this is uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 2. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick, ready to die. That's how bad he was. And when he heard Jesus, he said unto him, the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly what he was to do. He said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. 
And then finally they said to Jesus about this, this centurion. They said he loves our nation. He's even built us a synagogue. So Jesus went with them, and when he was not far off from the house, the centurion said, saying unto him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, where neither I thought myself worthy to come, and even to say a word to you. Just speak the word, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man set under authority. Having under me soldiers, I say unto this one, go and he goes. Another one, come and he comes. To my servant do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned about and said unto him and to the people, that means the disciples too, that follow him, I say to you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. <laughs> and so when the centurion got home, the servant was whole that very hour. How wonderful that was. Again, showing you the force of the power of healing. That's why we have addressed ourselves to the fact that healing is the children's bread. If you're a child of God, it belongs to you. Yes, every time a prayer is said, whether it be on television, whether it be by Internet, whatever thing the vehicle might be, just reach out and touch him. Say, Lord, touch me. And he will touch you. He will heal you and set you free. Now, come back to it again. Is healing in the atonement? That's basically what we're saying. The answer is yes. Totally yes. Because the Bible tells us, by his stripes, we're healed. This is in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4. Surely he hath borne griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, the smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Here we go. And with his stripes, we are healed. Ha. Look up in the Hebrew. That word born is Nasa, N-A-S-A. Nasa. That means he carried it. He took punishment for us. And in the two words in Hebrew, makob and shulai. So that's what's talking about. Talking about that. Talking about the things that he suffered and went through. The message that was given. Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus arrived on planet Earth. What an amazing thing. So when Jesus arrived on Earth, he brought healing. The Bible says the Son of Righteousness will rise. Let's look again in the Old Testament, talking about that, the powerful Word of God in the little book of Malachi. Malachi, this is in chapter 4 of Malachi. It's an amazing thing. When I start teaching, the power of the Spirit of God comes on me, and I see like a teleprompter, I see the Scriptures coming before my eyes. Now, this is what I want to share with you here. Malachi, yes, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But unto you that fear my name. Now, that's a godly fear. That's where it begins at right there. Shall the son, it did not say the S-O-N, it said the S-U-N. The son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And he shall go forth and grope his calves in the stall. Oh, I tell you, that's wonderful. It says healing in his wings. 
to everything about God. He wants us to be healed, set free, blessed, anointed, every word we can specify in that particular thought and plan. How that, what Jesus did, what Jesus did. Several years ago, I was uh, working with my dad in, in the uh, South Bend area. And there was a influenza epidemic in our area, and everyone was getting the influenza in very constrictive manner. They were having to leave their homes and go to hospitals. And so uh, we had a program back then on radio, which called May I Help You Please, and all we did was pray for people. That's basically what we did. And so the people would hear it, and they would respond, and that's generally how, how that was done many years ago, even before television, before we, we had stations and everything else. So in that, I, I'd been praying a lot and had some people, and I think I took my uncle with me at a time. Uh, there's Brother James Murphy, great man of God, since now he's been with the Lord now several years now. And so uh, he and I went to the Laporte Hospital, which wasn't too far from us. We had a lot of our members in the hospital. And so we were going from floor to floor to floor, and about a third floor, one of the doctors looked at me and says, have you been inoculated? <laughs> and my response was this, I've been inoculated by the great physician. And he not quite understanding what I had to say. He said, who is that great physician? And I began to explain to him, I said, Jesus, the son of the living God. Now, we had, uh, you know, sports coats on, ties, and we were all dressed up. We didn't look like bombs. And so he saw the intensity in where we go into rooms. He said, go ahead, carry on. <laughs> that was interesting. But the whole thing was this. During that episode of time, I don't we went to the six floors of that hospital and going to the different bed around, and they would hear the resonance of our voice. They would call out, come here and pray for me. Come here and pray for me. And, and, and we did that consistently for a couple of days. And in that period of time, we had many people saved, many people healed, many people blessed. See, see God's a God of compassion. He he doesn't enjoy seeing us sick. I don't care what kind of sickness. Like I always say it this way, there is no flu season. He made the summer, he made the winter, he made the fall, and he made the spring. There is no flu season. So when you talk about that, that's a misnomer. Totally incorrect. So we are strong by his power, by his grace, by his love, by his anointing, by his glory. Ha, <laughs> ha. Hallelujah. Well, when I say that right now, I feel the anointing is pouring through me, pouring through me, pouring through me, pouring through me. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. If you're sick, put your hand where sickness is. It has to go in the name of Jesus. I command migraine headaches to go. I command all kinds of sickness to go. I command in the name of Jesus arthritis. You bow the knee to the Lord Jesus. Every sickness, every pain, every disease, whatever you might have in your body, be healed in Jesus' name. I speak the word over you right now. Receive the healing touch of the master right now. As we speak and believe it, thank God for it. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Just raise your hand and start thanking him for it. Start thanking him for it. Start thanking him for your healing. 
And again, healing is the children's bread. <laughs> healing is the children's bread. Now, we didn't get too far in our study because we had a lot of ground to cover. And talking about what God has done, what he continues to do, is so amazing. And how he wants to bless his children. How he wants to anoint us. How he wants to touch us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Remember, the scripture tells us in Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means the miracles he did while he was on the earth, he's doing them right now through men, through women. Now, in the Old Testament, it was prophets, priests, and kings that had the anointing. But today, everyone that desires the anointing of God, it can be on them and through them that you can be a vessel of blessing to reach out and touch somebody because the healing power of God to come Healing has not stopped. It will continue until we see Jesus face to face. Hallelujah. Think of that. Because Jesus doesn't want a sick bride. (laughs) He wants a healed bride. He wants a blessed bride. He wants an anointed bride. That's what God is going to do. Oh, the miracles, the power, the glory, the majesty. Growing up, I've seen miracles all over the world. One of, one of the great miracles that this happened through the servant of God many years ago back in Hong Kong. And uh, we, we had uh, a person with a built-up shoe that was uh, at least two feet. That, that built-up shoe was two feet long. And so Brother Sorrell had it taken off. It was taken off after prayer. You could see that leg grow out right in front of everybody in the stadium. You could see it. And I tell you, those Chinese people, usually they say that they're they're not moved by emotion. Honey, you get that emotion going and watch what God does. Watch what they do. There's no nation under the earth when they see the miracle power of God is not moved. And it's time for our nation to be moved by the God's power and spirit. Several years back when I was in Nigeria, now cities on the platform, and people are being healed all over there. This was about six hours north of Lagos, near Nigeria. And a little town called Owo, O-W-O, Owo. And I was there with Brother Bonky. And we saw the mighty power of God move. He didn't go lay his hands on everybody. He just put his hands over the congregation. They started receiving all kinds of miracles. Blind were being healed. Lame were being healed. Every kind of sickness you can imagine. They were healed and set free by God's mighty power. Oh, it was so tremendous, tremendous. And the Lord spoke to me right there when I was sitting on the platform. He said, son, I want to bring this kind of anointing to the United States, that they will feel my power and they will see my glory, and their hearts will be turned to righteousness. As we feel that anointing moving to us right now, the power of God moving to us right now, the blessing of the Lord moving to us right now, I'm telling you right now that we can have what God says we can have, and we can walk in the things that God says we can walk in. So basically, next time when we meet together, we will speak about the different ways that healing can come. What brings healing to us? How can we have healing? How can we see miracles? How does it happen in our life? That's going to be quite an interesting thing. So don't you tell all your friends and neighbors, 
Another thing I'd like to do, I'm going to give out my, my, my personal um, address. What I'd like to do, if you have a handkerchief, send it to this address, and I will anoint it with oil and send it back to you. And the, the Bible tells us this is what they did. After Paul had anointed handkerchiefs placed on his body, he sent them out. I'm going to lay my hands on it, believing the anointing of God would touch you in such a marvelous, marvelous way. This is found in the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. They've had great revival there. God is moving there so tremendously. Verse 11, so God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them. Even the evil spirits went out too. So when that happened, that's our thing, anointing, anointing of God. I will anoint the handkerchiefs, send them back to you, and I want to hear testimonies. <laughs> we will hear testimonies. The Lord's been working on my heart for a long time. I do this. I'm just you know, finally being obedient now. Because obedience is better than sacrifice, the Bible tells us. So, you know, oh, right. My, my address is this. Perhaps I'm wrong. You can write me at one two eight. 08 Adventure Drive Riverview, one word, Florida 33579. And I'll return that handkerchief to you and we'll see what God will do for you. Believing for total victory in body and soul and spirit. I tell you, I've, I've enjoyed myself immensely talking to you right now. Blessing you with what God is putting through me to touch you. It's a wonderful thing that God is doing. We give him glory. We give him praise. We give him honor. We serve him. We love him. We bless his name. What God is doing is so amazing. Are you amazed? It, it, it just, uh, like that song, I'm amazed by you. I am amazed by you. Lord, I'm amazed by you. How you love me. How deep, how long, how strong, all that is your love for me. I'm feeling that right now. Oh, just put your hand on your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless every person listening right now. I bless them in the name of Jesus. The fire of God touched their spirit. The anointing of God filled them. Filled them, filled them, filled them, filled them with your power and with your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We worship you. We praise you. We adore you. We love you. We, every part of our life, we serve you in fullness. We thank you that you're doing great things. We thank you there's greater things for us to do. We thank you that we walk in your word. We walk in truth. We walk under your anointing. Let the shower of the Holy Ghost touch everyone right now your power, spirit, majesty. Move inside these hearts and lives. Let your glory, <laughs> let your glory fill their houses, fill their cars. Everywhere they go, may the presence of God continue through them and around them. That your name would be glorified. And man would not receive the glory, but you receive it all. To you be all glory and honor and power. In the name that heaven never fails upon earth. 
in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. God bless you. Amen. Amen. My goodness. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And wonderful. So that's just the first session with this. So we barely got hardly into it at all. We're going to be dealing wow. with that now, next Monday. Don't miss it. Call your friends. Call your neighbors from 8 o'clock to 9. We'll be again dealing with healing is the children's bread. So you be blessed, anointed. May the blessing of the Lord continue to give you dreams and visions and let the blessings of heaven cascade upon you tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The right. so strong in here. It's awesome. Well, I, I was going to say, I was going to say that yeah, we have to drag our leg in case we get raptured. <laughs> okay. All right. You be blessed. Have a great night. You too. God bless you. Thanks for coming. We'll, we look forward to next tomorrow. Okay. Are we still yeah. having the kingdom right. well, Tomorrow study. we're going to be dealing with Daniel. Daniel. We're teaching Daniel tomorrow. That's from okay. 6 to 7. 6 to 7, so yeah. Be blessed. Have a great night. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. God bless you. Bye bless you. Bye. <laughs> well, everyone, it's been uh, been wonderful tonight. My goodness, what a wealth of information and anointing that that uh, brother brother Sumrall has has given us. It's been absolutely absolutely wonderful. And I was thinking about how he was talking about the story of when he was um, praying for people in the, um, you know, when he was praying for, praying for people with the, uh, uh, with the influenza and he didn't get a, um, he didn't get a, you know, the doctor asked him, do you, do you have a, have you had an influenza vaccine? And he said, I don't, I don't need one. I have the great physician. And the gentleman was wondering who the great physician was. And so he, he basically, he didn't need one because the great physician. So that was, um, reminded me of a story. Of course, it's a true story, but about, of, of John G. Lake and how, um, you know, he really, really, he really, he just, um, sorry about that, <laughs> but he, he was, uh, he was, he was talking about how, uh, there was a story about him and he was, uh, it was John G. Lake and I was, I was looking it up online cause it reminded me and of that story. So I'm trying to find it on here and it talks about how people, how he was during this um, time, there was bubonic plague. If I can find it here, Let's see. But he had had where where he had actually had. He was out there helping. He was praying for people, and um, people had asked him, you know, why, why do you not? You know why? You know, I mean, why? Why is this affecting everybody else? Why is this plague affect, affecting everybody else? But it's not. It's not affecting you. 
And he basically says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in me. He shall quicken, make alive my mortal, you know, my my being. So the same, I mean, they put, they put the plague, they put the plague on his hand. He said, put the plague on my hand. And they put it on his hand. And then he says, now put it, and it, and they says, now put it on the mic, because it, it was coming from off the foam, the foam off of people. And uh, so it came from the foam off the, off the dead people. And so he said, now put it on their microscope. They thought it was living, and then they put it on him. And now he said, put it back under the microscope. And when they did, it was it was dead. So the, the the very plague that he that he um that you know was killing other people died because he, he just believed in it. He believed in the power of God so much and knew his his anoint his knew who he was, his authority in Christ. So because he you know, he believed that uh um, in the resurrection revelation, and and he had the de- deadly plague germ die in his very hand. Um, so, and this was, uh, I mean, that was just that just amazes me about how how that example of it, and that reminded me a lot of of his of how when uh, Doctor Frank was talking about um, how he didn't need. He didn't need the influenza vaccine because he had the great physician. So, and that was John Julake, and he he worked um, alongside, if I'm not mistaken, alongside Smith Wigglesworth. And so, but that was, you know, and so a lot of people grew in faith with that, and they were just amazed. And this this gentleman, John John G. Lake, he had a lot of a lot of. Uh, a lot of faith and a lot of he also had a lot of um revelation in who who he was in Christ because for somebody to um for somebody to have that much faith because it says right here it says because of his re- re- resurrection revelation he had a deadly plague germ die in his hand yet at the start of his ministry thought one could only be healed in and a healing home, and like in Doctor Dowie's healing home, but that right there tells you about a lot of faith and a lot of just simple faith in believing in what what the Holy Spirit says, what the Bible says. So that's pretty. That was a pretty awesome, awesome example of that. That that reminded me after what after what Dr. Frank Summerall was talking about. And so also in the um, atonement and how he was talking about the atonement and everything as well in in that. So in the atonement and what that means. So that would be on the atonement. I'm going to look it up right now for you. Online, because bearing in mind Adam's not with me tonight, something came up. So I basically am doing everything here by myself. So <laughs> the Holy Ghost, I'm with the Holy Ghost and myself. We are a majority, so the Holy Ghost just take over, and and uh, he will he will be with me. So 
So the atonement and and uh, and what that means. Just trying to look it up online here. So um, in religion and and the atonement, anyways, it's uh, as Pastor, as Dr. Frank Summerall was talking about. So, but I'm really excited about these healing. About this, um, I'm excited about this series that Dr. Frank Summerall is going to be doing with us every week. Now it's going to be a continuation of of what he started this week. So I'm very excited about that, and uh, so I'm really, really excited about that. And I know that it's gonna it's gonna help a lot of people. I know that if you have any any healing request any prayer requests for healing and as as Dr. Frank Summerall talked about he also talked about if you have any if you if you request um prayer for a, like a prayer handkerchief and you want to get that to get that uh prayed over then you can send it to his address and he will pray over it and send it back to you so you know there's also also, what Frank was talking about was Dr. Frank Summer was talking about was if you, um, he was talking about also was how his mother would put up a lot of a lot of um, a lot of scriptures on everywhere, and uh, that's being laid down on, on three by five cards. Your your uh, healing. Uh, scriptures or any anything you're believing the Lord for as well, and you know, in in um, a lot of times, I mean, the enemy he plays on ignorance and he plays on confusion because um, it, it's been said that uh, the it's been said that uh, the thorn in the flesh that Paul was talking about and referring to was. Um, was that he was sick and that he had an eye infection. And that's the reason why he said, I write in such big, big letters. And that's actually not the case. It wasn't an eye infection that he had. That's not, that's not what he had at all. Um, I mean, everywhere that Paul went, he had a revival. And not only did he have physical trouble, but he had supernatural trouble. And, um, so it was really basically, um, I mean, because what it's saying in here, a thorn in the flesh is figurative speech and never refers to a disease or sickness. A thorn in the flesh is similar to saying a pain in the neck or a pain in the rear. And, you know, basically just because I say someone is a pain in the neck, it doesn't mean that I have, you know, a really bad pain in my neck. And just for or because I say they're a pain in the rear doesn't mean that I, that they're a hemorrhoid. I mean, basically, that's that's really what it's just a figure of speech um, because Paul is talking about a constant irritation. Um, and for example, I can give you some some scriptures I'm going to look up, and you can also write down. These are in Numbers, Joshua, Judges, and Ezekiel. And so, um, but uh, I'm going to look it up right now for for y'all and to show you how it was not, 
it was just figuratively, he was just figuratively speaking because in all of these right here, because there's so many, so much talked about how, how that was a disease sent from God and he had this eye pus coming out and that's just not the case of, of it at all. That's not what God was referring to. And that's not Paul what was Paul was referring to. It was basically something that was sent to keep him keep him humble. Um but in Numbers thirty three fifty five it reads, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land be- from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Joshua twenty three thirteen Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer dwell, will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Judges 2, verse 3. Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you. But they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods, small g, shall be a snare to you. Ezekiel 2, 6. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words, or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel twenty eight twenty four reads, And there shall no longer be a pricking briar or a painful thorn for the house of Israel from among all who are around them, who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord God. So basically... Either it's a literal or it's all all is figurative, and so basically here it's it's um, in Ezekiel it was not literally he was I mean so all of those are are examples right there. So the atonement, uh, Jesus' atonement, atonement means reconciliation, reparation for an offense or injury. And so by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. Therefore, it is clear that disease, which is the beginning of death, entered into the world by sin. And according to Acts um, 10, verse 38, which I'm going to go ahead and go to now. So if you open your Bibles to, I mean, chapter 10 and 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So disease is oppression of the devil. And as soon as disease has advanced beyond the power of nature to restore us, it is a result in death in every case unless removed by the power of God. 
And you know, actually, a lot of a lot of times, if we, a lot of times, our healing is subject to us having, um, making our hearts right with the Lord, um, having no unforgiveness in our hearts. Because if we, if our hearts are not right, and there is unforgiveness in our hearts, then, then the. Uh, then it's going to be it's going to be hard to get our healing because our hearts are not right and we've given place we've given place to the devil by having an open door so just con- um in James 5:16 it talks about confessing your faults one to another that you may be healed so it's very very important to have to forgive in order to in order to have that, uh, in order to have our hearts right. So, and um, so, and the types of atonement are the Passover lamb, and that's in Exodus 12, verses 3 through 8. You can, um, I'm going to look that up. So, if you want to go to the book of Exodus in chapter 3, I mean, chapter 12, verses three through eight and we're going to look at that up on here and I'm going to read that to you Um, it says speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father a lamb for a household and if the household is too small for the lamb let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the intel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on the night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. So the the Passover, in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, also we're going to go to, if you look up in, if you want to go to me with the 1 Corinthians 7, I'll look up that for you here, and I'm going to read it. Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you, are, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So the Israelites were required to eat the flesh of the Passover lamb for physical strength to show that we can receive life or strength from Christ, who Paul said said is our Passover sacrifice for us. The Passover lamb was a type of Christ. There's a big parallel between the Passover and the Lord's Supper, which is communion. In verses 7 through 8, there were two things they were supposed to do with the lamb, eating the lamb and applying the blood. 
And in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29, their body is asleep because they fail to discern the Lord's body, the eating of the lamb. And I'm going to go ahead, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians, wait, I just did that one. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to go there. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So taking of the cup, which is the blood, symbol of the blood is a re- is remission of sins and taking of the bread or the body equals healing so also if you want to turn to me to psalm 105 And ate up all the vegetation in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. So the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people when they kept the Passover. You know, when we take Holy Communion, it's more than just an ordinance. We're we're actually partaking of the emblems of his death and the benefits thereof. When we take the bread, when we take the communion bread, we're we're taking what symbolizes Jesus. And, And, you know, the blood, it protects us. It gave us our healing. And it, it, uh was just like when they put it on the door before the Israelites when they left. So so in Christ, there is both bodily and spiritual life. So life also of Jesus and manifest in our mortal body. So now another type of atonement is the cleansing of the leper. Is another is another type of atonement that I'm going to talk about here. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to give you a phone number you can call, which is area code 646-668-2093. That is area code 646-668-2093. If you would like to call in with a prayer request for healing or any kind of prayer request, if you have a question for Dr. Frank Summerall or or myself, Or if you have anything that you would like to talk about, feel free to call area code 646-668-2093. If you have any, anything, any prayer requests, anything at all, at all going on that you would like to talk about, or you just have a question or you can't get online uh, because of a bad reception, then you can just go ahead and and call in and you're not, you don't have to talk. If you just want to listen, that that is fine. So on Leviticus 14, um, verses 2 through 7, it says, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, 
and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedarwood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him, who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So in the Old Testament, everything that was healed was healed on what Jesus was going to do. Since Jesus, everyone has been healed based on what Jesus has already done. In Leviticus 14, one bird represents the mass. Other represents us being set free. That's exciting right there. So the cedar word represents the work of the cross. The blood and the water represents Jesus. The scarlet represents royalty. Hyssop represents the Holy Spirit. This is all in connection with the healing of the leper. So if you want to go back out and study Leviticus 14, verses 2 through 7, it'll show you all of all of what I just told you is a representation. Now, another atonement is the year of Jubilee. These are all, all types of of um of atonement and this one is the is the year of jubilee so we're going to go to the book of leviticus chapter 25 verse 8 so we're going to go right there that is leviticus 25 and is verse 8 Jubilee, and you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you forty-nine years. Every fifty year, after every fiftieth year on the Day of Atonement, the trumpet sounded and the year of Jubilee began. Everyone that had been sold into slavery returned to their family and positions. And and how exciting is that every fifty years, every debt that you that you had that, you know, your family if you were sold into into debt, you know, into slavery so you could fulfill that debt, how exciting was that for every fifty years that on the fiftieth year you got everything back and everything was was you know because debt back then was very serious and um they'd sell all your possessions and if that didn't cover it, they'd tell you, your wife and you, as well as slaves, to cover the cost of the debt. But so now, it's, it's uh, I mean, you own nothing then, you ha- not even yourself. But the, ex- 
exciting thing is when the year of Jubilee comes, you get back everything and everyone. Now we're blowing the trumpet of the gospel and proclaiming for sinners to return home, return from their ways, come back to prosperity and all the blessings of God. So how exciting is that, that every 50th year, because, I mean, they got everything back after that, and that is just so amazing. And that makes me think of, of Jesus. He came, you know, Adam, Adam and Eve, they they sinned in the Garden of Gethsemane. They, they gave in to Satan's temptations, and they ate of the forbidden fruit, and turning everything, all authority over to Satan and forfeiting their rights, their authority, their power, they did all that. Kind of like putting, kind of putting themselves in debt in a way to Satan and to sin and to death and to sickness and to disease and to everything that is not of, of God, that's not God's perfect plan, everything that they enslaved to. So basically with the year, you know, the year of Jubilee, I feel, I feel like almost like you could, you could say a, an illustration for that would be Jesus coming back and, and, and his ministry on earth and everything he did, healing the, healing the sick and, and casting out devils, everything that he did. But then when he died on the cross, uh, he was, he was without sin and he died, and, and then he rose again, and he, he took captivity captive, therefore putting us back into authority with with the earth, with everything that, that Adam and Eve had before they, before they um, fell into sin and listened to the lies of the devil. So, which, oh, actuality... Eve, I mean, I, I mean, Adam, Adam was right there with Eve, and and he could have, uh, he could have stopped her because he knew the truth and he knew what God. I mean, Eve was deceived, but Adam, Adam didn't stop her. He just went went on and and ate with her, but he could have said no, that's not right. But he went, he went back, and uh, he could have said no, that's not right. This is not right. We're not doing the right thing, and and stopped her. Or if she'd done it, not eaten it himself, and who knows what would have happened. Uh, if that had happened, if he had, if he had, you know, stuck up for what was right. Now we're going to talk about atonement for the plague. And uh, if you go with your Bible to Numbers 16, uh, verses 46 through 50. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it. And take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. Now, those who died in the 14,700 besides those who died in the Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. 
for the plague had stopped. Every atonement that there was was a type of the last sacrifice of Jesus. Aaron was a type of Jesus. He was um, he's like a, uh, our high priest. The high priest made the sacrifice and stood between the people and the plague stopped. Jesus stands between the living and the dead presently, making intercession for us. So it, it's, it's amazing how the Old Testament and the, is, is, a, is a type of, uh, is foreshadows, it's the types and shadows of the Old Testament. It's actually the Old Covenant, the Old Blood Covenant and the New Blood Covenant. So the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Now we're going to talk about the serpent on the pole for the atonement. And the following scriptures are going to be in Numbers 21, verses 2 through 9, and 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. And they were they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of that place was called Hormah, the bronze serpent. Then they journeyed from Mount Horah by the way to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For this, there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. I'm going to stop right there and make a point that because of their complaining and their disobedience and their speaking against God and against Moses, they opened the door to the enemy to attack their body and to just to send the serpents. You know, God didn't just send fiery serpents among the people because he's a God that likes to just, oh, I'm going to get mad. I'm going to send fiery serpents to to hurt you or i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm sitting up in heaven with a big stick and if you do something wrong i'm i'm ready to ready to just bat you with that big old bat ready to hit you with it that's not that's not not how god is right here because of their their the way that they they talked against god and against moses they opened the door to the devil so basically, they open the door to the devil for to allow bad. They they remove themselves from his protection, from his covering, from his hand on them by by what they did. Now, seven. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, "We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that He take away the serpents from us." So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be 
that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. You know, that's, um, that's, uh, basically like I was just saying here, uh, but to have faith and trust in God and be positive because there's never really a right time to complain. Because whenever we or murmur, I mean, we're we're wrong with that. I mean, it, it opens the door. It opens the door to negativity. It opens the door to the devil by complaining, even if we feel like we have a right to complain. Besides which, there's uh, we've got to give an account for every idle word that we've that we've spoken and we have so much to be thankful for that I know it's tempting to is very tempting to gripe and complain and moan sometimes but if we just wait uh, and not do that it says in, in John 3 verses 14 through 15 and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I just want to give you the call-in number again. is area code 646-668-2093. That is area code 646-668-2093. And in John... 12 verse 32 it says if I be lifted up from the earth I will draw all men unto me but you see the word men is not in the original Greek when Jesus was lifted up all was drawn unto him all sickness all disease as well as all men all all, all sin everything so Really, the way that should read without the without the men, which is actually actually um, added because it wasn't as I just said in the original Greek. It should read, "If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all unto me." So that's everything, and that's everything he took. He wasn't even recognizable as a man. He took on sin because he was without sin. He was perfect. He was able to take that on himself. He's able to take all sickness on himself and, and and go through all that horrific, terrible stuff for 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 us, for you and for me, because he loves us so very much. And the serpent on the pole is a type of Jesus on the cross. Anyone who looked with an an attention and absorbing gaze at the serpent we live. All who put their entire focus on Christ now live. So we have to get rid of all the distractions around us, you know, the other voices, the others, you know, the other and um we have to we have to uh we have to get you know the others voices, the others hurt their mocking and 
you know, there was, I mean, Jesus, he was, he was not even recognizable as a man. He went through so much horrible, horrific stuff. And, you know, I was looking on YouTube and I found, I found something and it's by a medical examiner. I'm going to play it. It's about six minutes and 30 seconds. And it describes to you what exactly Jesus went through for you and for me. And I'm going to describe that right now and may the Lord touch you with this. It's the most important event in history. What did it feel like? One weekend that split time into before and after. What did it look like? If you believe, it defines your whole existence. What really happened? But how much do you really know about the cross. Any illustrations I saw of the crucifixion were of a fairly placid uh, Jesus looking down in pity from the cross. This was not a this was not a pretty picture. Dr. Carl McCurdy has studied Jesus's crucifixion and has filled in many scientific details that the Bible leaves out. Jesus allowed himself to suffer and uh, I couldn't imagine a worse way to die. Jesus said, this is your hour when darkness reigns. Luke 22, 52 and 53. Thursday night, April 6th, 30 AD. Most historians agree this is the date of Jesus' arrest. Pilate had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Mark 15, 15. For prisoners sentenced to crucifixion, the first step was flogging. The Romans used a whip called a flagrum. It was specially designed to rip the skin off a prisoner's back. They had it down to an art. The iron would make bruises, but then these pieces of bone would begin to cut and cut into the skin and the subcutaneous tissue and actually uh, would result in, uh, in lacerations all the way down to the muscle. The, uh, the pain would be uh, intense and unrelenting. The point of the scourging was to bring the victim as close to exhaustion and as close to death as possible before actually taking him to the cross. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. Then they struck him on the head again and again. Matthew 27, 29, and 30. Next, for Jesus, a special punishment. The thorns themselves were most likely several inches long and horribly painful. The face and the scalp have probably the best blood supply of any, uh, you know, any areas of skin on the body. You also have the, some of the most nerves, some of the greatest number of nerves uh, in the skin would be on, on the scalp and the face. Uh, again, intense, sharp pain. They seized Simon of Cyrene, put the cross on him, and made him carry it. Luke 23:26. It weighed between 80 and 110 pounds, and knowing that Jesus could not carry what the Romans called the patibulum gives clues about the beating he'd already suffered. One thing that we see in trauma is that a young person, a person who is in good condition, may be much closer to death than we think from the blood loss. So even though Jesus at this point was stumbling and, uh, and, and could remain upright. Um, 
he was probably very near the edge of, uh, of total circulatory collapse. He went out to the place of the skull, and here they crucified him. John, 1917. Crucifixion was a relatively bloodless process. The nails Romans used resembled railroad spikes. There was one pounded through both feet and one hammered through each wrist. The nail or spike through the palm would never hold the weight uh, of a body. But the spike inserted through here would, uh, would get right in the middle of those uh, wrist bones and would, uh, um, would enable the, uh, the body to be suspended by the strength of those, uh, those ligaments. The pain would be like hot liquid. It would be a hot shooting pain back up the arm. It would leave the hand in a claw shape and paralyzed. Death on a cross had little to do with nails. Instead, crucifixion normally meant death by suffocation. The only way you can adequately breathe would be to push up with the impaled feet, pull up with the arms in order to breathe, and then sag down again in exhaustion. And obviously, every time that happened, there was intense pain in the arms. The scourged back would rub against the, uh, uh, the rough wood of the cross. The uh, impaled feet would also have their own nerve pain and, and pain shooting up the legs. Uh, and it would be pure agony to simply take a breath. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Mark 15, 37. Crucifixion often took days, but Jesus died quickly, and as the loud cry suggests, he also died suddenly. A catastrophic terminal event is a pathologist's phrase to mean that something happened all of a sudden to cause death. And my feeling would be that, that his scourging was so intense, the blood loss that preceded the uh, crucifixion was so intense that that shortened the uh, length of time uh, of the crucifixion. And in this case, the final event was, uh, was I'm sure, either an abnormal heart rhythm or his heart simply stopped. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a new tomb, and they laid Jesus there. John 19, 41 and 42. On April 7, 30 AD, the world turned dark. Jesus is dead. Friday is over. But Sunday is coming. That's powerful right there. That is just what he went through for you and for me. I mean, he's the creator of the entire universe. He's the king of kings. He's above all. He's above everyone. Living in paradise, living in a place where the streets are made of gold and and just jewels and just the places is is I mean he became that we could become rich and he he leaves all of all of heaven to come and rescue us. 
to become in, 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 in human form because he knows that Adam fell, Adam and Eve fell in the garden, and then they they forfeited everything, and and in the agony, and then Jesus in his ministry on earth, and then he he, and all of that, he prays for himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's so stressed out because he knows what's gonna come of that, he knows what's gonna happen after that. In the agony and the torture that he went through, as he's gonna go through, he knew it was gonna happen. So he didn't. He 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 was stressed so stressed that he sweat great drops of blood. And and in that, um, you know, there's a a medical term. I don't I don't know the term right offhand, but there's actually a medical term where very rarely people it happens, but people will will do it under. They will sweat drops of blood. It's the blood vessels breaking, and they're so stressed out that they that they drops of blood. And but even in all of that in the garden, Jesus he he was tempted. He he was a man, but he was obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. He asked the Lord, He says, Father, if it be Thy will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so he he knew he had he just but he he was obedient, and he went to the cross for you and for me, and he went through all of that because of how much he loves us. And I uh, I just I mean I I think that. Uh, that's just that's just a, an amazing an amazing act of true true love unconditional love no greater love has the man than he laid down his life for his friends and that's what he did we're his friends we're his friends and he laid down his life for us and he went through all of that for you and for me Every 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 time he was whipped, every time he was hit or punched or and every 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 hair that was on his beard that got pulled out was for you and for me. The torture that he went through and that right there is, is love and that right there it really kind of um It really just uh, it it amazes me of, of how of how he did that for us and and in all of that by his stripes we healed because Jesus was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement that brought us our peace was upon him with his stripes we are healed. And in 1 Peter 2.24, I'm going to look it up if you want to go there with me, to 1 Peter 2.24. It talks about who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes 
you were healed. So we were already healed and we've been healed. And I was thinking in Psalm, the book of Psalms, Psalm 22, but I'll I'll find out in a minute. <laughs> yes, it's uh, in, in uh, verse, uh, it's chapter Psalm, <laughs> Psalm 22. So it talks about, and it, he actually... He actually talks about his suffering here. I mean, King David actually uh, just prophesied it. And this he prophesied this years before, I mean, centuries before Romans had even invented this. So he actually prophesied this. A long time. I mean, the crucifixion had not even been invented. And this is Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent, but you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. O oh, fathers, our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he did lights in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. Oh, my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all you offspring of Israel. 
for he has not despised, despised nor abhorred the afflicted of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard, My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. And that right there, my goodness, that tells first count, first first hand what Jesus went through on the cross and what he was feeling and how horrible. I mean, yes, he was fully God, but he's also fully man. And I can't seem to get away from, from, it seems like I can't move on. I feel like I need to stay at this, at this point about the cross and, and where, you know, where, what Jesus went through on the cross. So I just can't, I can't seem to get away from it. I mean, he went through, he went through so much on that cross for you and I. You know, there were thousands that were bitten in the Old Testament and all the chaos they had to stop and look at the pole. So, you know, there are spiritual exercises that we can do to stay spiritually strong that will keep our our healing. And if you'll turn to the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 18, verse 14, can Turn in there. Spirit of man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? You need a strong spirit to stay healthy. You know, and um, an ability to believe is actually similar to physical ability, just like it takes discipline and effort to stay physically in shape or to get physically fit, which isn't easy. It's initially uh, to spiritually get in shape. But there are actually some exercises, some spiritual exercises we can do to help us stay uh, healthy and strong and to actually get our healing so in uh, 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 9, it says, If you instruct the brethren in, in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nursed in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise, exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, 
but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. You know, the things of the natural are actually patterned after things of the spirit. The developments of the two have a lot of similarities. It's it's often said the ear tries words like the tongue tries food. You know, you eat spiritual food with your ears, you chew on it with your mind, and if you swallow it, it becomes part of you inside. So if you can if you will turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter fifteen, verse sixteen. So that's Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Your words were found and I ate them, and your word was was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And in Job twenty three twenty three twelve it reads, I have not departed from the from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job had the right priorities. People are weak spiritually because they don't eat. There's nothing that feeds your spirit like reading the word of God. So, and if we don't eat physically, we're going to get weak physically. If we don't eat spiritually, if we don't eat the word of God, read the word of God, feed ourselves the word of God, we're going to get weak spiritually. And faith is to your spirit what strength is to your body, to your body. The ability to resist. It takes strength to resist and to receive. So I'll read that again. Faith is to your spirit what strength is to your body. And that's the ability to resist. It takes strength to resist and to receive. So here's some spiritual exercises. Number one is confession. It can it can be a means of releasing your faith, but it can also help increase our faith. Faith comes by hearing. When you're confessing, you're hearing. If you keep on thinking and saying it, it'll get inside of you. Faith is a matter of full persuasion. I'll say that again. Faith is a matter of full persuasion. If it's old to you, it is not real to you. Faith is not just saying, it's believing. You you can't talk doubt and unbelief. Faith calls those things that are not as though they are. You are the strength. Um, so in, in, in Psalm 27, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So he's the strength of our life. And, you know, God's word brings power and life, but we must mix faith with it. The more faith we mix with it, the more we'll receive from it. And the more it will do for us. So. You've got to believe the word is is true and that it belongs and applies to you. And 
You've got to believe that while you're saying it, it's working for you. So maybe next week when I come back, I when we come back and we're talking, we're going to be talking some more about about healing. Uh, Dr. Frank Summer is going to continue on healing because we've got about seven minutes, and so I'm going to just um, start wrapping it up here in Psalm. 71:16 it says I will go in the strength of the Lord God I will make mention of your righteousness of yours only and so so basically we just got to believe that the word is true and that it belongs and applies to us and that we've got to believe that what we're that while we're saying it it's working in us And one of the great keys to victory is mind control. You controlling your own mind. You've got to know your key weapons. One of the best weapons is your mouth. When you open your mouth and say something, it interrupts your thought process. If you keep the word in your mouth, you'll keep it in your mind, and then it will get in your heart. So we just got, so the word of God is a spiritual exercise in So we're getting stronger and stronger. It doesn't do much good to watch people exercise, just like it doesn't do much good to sit in class, take notes, and just watch people. You have to do it. You have to exercise it. You've got to do something. You've got to get on something and stay on it. So another one is speaking in tongues. Your spirit is active and it's speaking. And I may go through some other ones next week, but since we only have about five minutes now, I'm just going to, ask you if nobody's ever told you that God loves you and has a great plan for your life to let you know God does love you has a wonderful plan for your life and God forbid if you were to die today do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven if you're not sure just to let you know quickly that the holy bible reads that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ, our Lord. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to make sure you're going to go to heaven, just mean it with your heart and repeat after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. I want to tell you right now that all your sins are forgiven. You always remember to run to God and not from God because he loves you so much and he has a great plan for your life. Now, if you've not been baptized with the ev- baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, let you know Jesus is a baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. And he wants to give you that prayer language so that you can, it's a direct hotline and communication to heaven. So just repeat this prayer after me if you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You are the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. And I'm asking you right now to baptize me in the Holy Ghost and fire in other tongues. Now, just whatever, just let whatever comes out of your mouth, whatever syllables, don't speak in English, don't speak in your native language or any other language you know. 
and just let whatever comes out start speaking. And just keep speaking it out, speaking it out by faith, and knowing that that even if you don't get that right away, you could be doing something in your house. We've had testimonies about people that had, didn't get it right away, but they've been doing the dishes, and all of a sudden they, they start speaking out in their heavenly language. So just um, so just know that uh, uh, if you if you have any questions, prayer requests, you can call. I mean, you can email Fire Talk Radio, the number two at yahoo.com. That is Fire Talk Radio, the number two at Fire Talk, I'm sorry, Fire Talk Radio 2 at yahoo.com. And if you need any prayer requests, you can call 1 866 857 4837 anytime. Operators are standing by live from 7 to 9 or from 11 to 1. But you can call anytime telling you you pray to receive Jesus on, on Fire Talk Radio. And so uh, you can call there. And you can also go to Revival.com. You can go there. And if you, if you feel that you have the call of God on your life, um, School Bible College is starting in August, on August 18th. And you can call them at 813-871-9999. So just to let you know that God loves you, that you are valuable, you are loved by him. We've got about one minute and 40 seconds. So uh, tomorrow, just reminding you that Dr. Frank Summer will be having the Bible study at 6 p.m. Same place here. You can call. 646-668-2093 646-668-2093 to be a part of it live and you don't have to talk you can stay on mute or you can you can come on the internet and you can listen there uh where you you know where you've been listening to this so just to, to remind you that that um god does have a great plan for your life and father god i thank you for you sent your word and you healed all our dis- diseases and delivered from all I pray for the word right now to these people, these precious people, and I command healing from the crown of their head to the, the anointing of Jesus, the healing anointing of Jesus from the crown of your head to the soles of the feet. And I speak every, I speak total healing in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for that. And I speak the fire, the fire, God, right from the crown. And I thank you, Father, for perfect healing, perfect wholeness, and peace, and joy, and love. And, and and the whole Father for healing everybody of everything that's not of you, creative miracles and, and healing in Jesus' name. I give you glory, honor, and praise. I give you all the glory and I thank you. And remember that you're loved, everyone. Until we meet again next Monday or tomorrow, Tuesday. I love you. Bye. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. GEICO's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with GEICO, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. More power to you. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. 
When I grow up, I want to make a pizza with the most cheese and the most pepperoni at the nation's best price. Six dollars. It's going to be the best pizza ever. Sorry, kid. It's been done. Introducing the new Little Caesars Extra Most Bestest Pizza, a large pizza with the most cheese and the most pepperoni at the nation's best price. But my mom said... This much cheese and pepperoni is what dreams are made of. Come get a large, hot and ready, extra most bestest pizza for just six bucks, only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. 